This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, 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 Yakshamash. Come to you too, over there. You know, really, I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Well, thanks for noticing. It's a real pain. We welcome to the show Christian Leitner. Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage, and my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals, kapusta, bumpy, pierogi, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of a lot of Polish tradition there. Yak Shamash, everybody, welcome to another edition of the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys go to Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, discussion, obviously, nine days away from Alabama, and I will be there covering the game for Bucky's Fifth Quarter. We're going to have a lot of fun down there. Uh, hopefully I get some line dancing in Friday night. I, I doubt it, obviously, uh, but uh, we'll have some fun down there. I am Jake Kokorowski. We'll talk more about the Wisconsin Badgers in just a little bit. we got the Polish rifle, Scotty Wisniewski, here. And we are back, obviously, a football-centric show we got going on right now. It's going to be a lot of fun. and we get, But unfortunately, it hasn't been fun news for, for both the Wisconsin Badgers and Green Bay backers of late. Bitten by the injury bug. Uh, for those that uh, didn't hear, just real quick before we talk Packers, uh, with Jason Galloway, former B5Q writer, now... Uh, one of the Badgers beat writers for the Wisconsin State Journal, Madison.com, reported uh, that uh, he overheard Paul Chris during a, uh, a donor event talking about uh, Tanner McAvoy possibly tweaking something today. Uh, so that is interesting news there. Uh, we'll see. But there are some other injuries coming back, uh, but we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but uh, he tweaked a leg is how... Galloway described it in his article just about maybe about I'd say oh hour or two ago so uh, we'll figure out more of that hopefully he recovers but uh, the bigger news with another wide receiver for a Wisconsin team you're looking at the Green Bay Packers and Scotty you got Jordy Nelson on, on a non-contact injury obviously planting his knee and then uh, the trying to pivot and uh, the significant in, the injury Adam Schefter reported as as an, just just an ACL tear. But obviously a huge loss for the Green Bay Packers, despite still having Aaron Rodgers, Eddie Lacy, Randall Cobb. Uh, you could even put Randall uh, Richard Rodgers into there, I would say, because I think he's going to have a big year. But obviously a huge blow to the Green Bay Packers offense. Well, yeah. I mean, there's no that, – that's an understatement. I mean, he's the best receiver on the team. I know Cobb is good. I think they both need each other. I think Cobb's better in the slot right now since – one of the best wideouts in the game. Uh, they're both great receivers, but I think one missing impacts the other. I, I think what you end up with now is clearly a situation where um, you have to have uh, you have to have young guys step up, guys you didn't expect to step up, uh, or expect to have to. Now, obviously, the first one is Adams. Adams has to take that next step. Adams has to be uh, what everybody had hoped he was starting to show as he got towards the end of last season. So, And then you're going to have young guys. Will it be Jeff Janis? Will he ever figure out the playbook? There's a question. 
will it be Montgomery, the rookie? Will it be the, the tight ends? Will Rodgers step up? Will Corliss finally show the potential he thought? Will it be somebody not on his team yet? Now, we talked about Reggie Wayne last week, and he was already in New England signing a contract when the injury happened. Maybe James Jones doesn't make the final roster for the Giants. Maybe he gets brought back in here, clearly knowing the system and things of that nature. I don't know the answers, Jake. I know that um, I didn't necessarily feel that they were a Super Bowl team um, when the preseason hype was coming out. Not that I didn't think they could compete. I thought they were a playoff team for sure. I still believe Seattle was the team to beat. Now, that being said, um, it's clearly going to have to be, if the Packers are going to be a Super Bowl team, it's going to be a tall task now without your best offensive weapon. Absolutely, and that's, and that's a huge loss. Uh, in it just it, you know, a lot of people talk about the weapons that they have, and obviously, I mean, if there's going to be an injury to the wide receiving core, you're looking uh, or to a part of the team, wide receiver would be the one position where there's a lot of depth, and and you have like you you mentioned the names of Janice, and and does Ty Montgomery get more acclimated with the offense and uh, along those lines. And, and what will they, the biggest question, you know, with this is who's going to replace uh, Jordy Nelson with, he's a bigger receiver. And it's not like a, a Randall Cobb in the slot though, from what it sounds like per reports uh, from the media, it sounds like Cobb's moving a little bit out in the, out there, but he's, he's more of a slot receiver, obviously. And so, but they need to move him around a little bit more, but you know, you see a guy, a bigger guy like Janice uh, that could do it. And, uh, can basically how will the offense mold, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But even with that too, with uh, uh, talking about injuries, I mean, you look at the offensive line. I would say is even bigger concern right now. You have David Bakhtiari, nursing knees. T.J. Lang's coming back from concussions. You know they're, they're trying to rest up Josh Sitton as much as possible for the season. Uh, and and you saw what happened with Don Barclay in the past two games over at left tackle and. Uh, you need to rest up that offensive line, especially when you have a uh, that with the injury to Nelson, you have a lot more running with that, a lot more going with that running game, Scotty. And so we'll see how the offensive line gels. I mean, you know, they're two and a, two two and a half weeks away from from the beginning of the season, but you know, you you want your offensive lineman taken care of and and, and rested up for for that game, especially against the Bears uh, coming up. Well, without I mean. It doesn't matter who you're playing. It doesn't matter if you're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. You need your quarterback protected. And the only way that happens, obviously, is with a healthy offensive line. So, you know, all that aside, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, it just makes you wonder, uh, you know, you, we've, had, we've talked about it now for quite some time. People have talked about um, the long preseason. Is it worth it? And, you know, why, you know, do we need to play this many preseason games? And I mean, we've heard all this talk uh, for the last few years. Do you play two games? Do you play three? Obviously, you have to have some. You have to be able to evaluate the back of your roster. You know, the Packers are lucky. The Packers are a team that knows who their quarterbacks are and who their wide receivers are. Teams like Cleveland, teams like uh, Jacksonville, teams like New York Jets, they're not in that same situation. They don't know that they don't have an Aaron Rodgers and a Jordy Nelson on that team that they know are going to be your starters. 
So, you know, people have to take that into consideration. There still has to be some elements of preseason. You still have to be able to know what you have and, and somehow evaluate it. Okay. So, so that said, I, I, it's, it's funny to me when people say, well, you know, you could just play two preseason games and that'll figure it all out. But what this does do, Jake, is it clearly makes it that much more important to uh, try to protect your best players, to try to protect your superstars, your game changers, your guys that can, um, you know, take you to the next level, so to speak. So I, I think in the end, those are the things that you'd like to see happen uh, going forward from teams so they don't run the risk of losing essentially their best players. So, uh, you know, that that said, it, it's a tough blow. Now, I don't know that there's ever a right time. You know, I'm not going to say anything stupid. Say, oh, you know, it's better to lose them early than lose them. There's never a good time to lose a Jordy Nelson. But losing him in game two allows you to still evaluate players you still have on your roster as opposed to losing them in week one when everybody's signed, sealed, and on a roster somewhere. So that said, again, no way, shape, or form would I tell you that this is good and and hey, you know, there's a positive. It's like when people used to say, you know, hey, that guy's got, not to make light of it, but like somebody would have Hodgkin's disease. Well, is that the bad kind or the good? Well, there's no good kind of Hodgkin's. There's no good time to lose your best receiver. Um, but again, it does give you some time to maybe figure out who can do what on, on this team. So um, I, I don't know, man. Um, when you saw that, we were watching. I, I know I was watching the game. I think you were watching at the same time I was. The question I had, I thought, I thought for sure, when he went down and he got up and he was walking, even walking to the locker room, I thought for sure he was going to be fine. Obviously, that wasn't the case. But I don't know what your take is on it. When you were watching it, did you think? You know, at first I thought it was an ankle. Then. I started thinking, well, what if it is a knee? You know, because I couldn't see the ankle get tweaked at all as I watched that, you know, highlight over and over again. So, I, I don't know. It, it's it's definitely one of those things where the injury didn't look as bad as it ended up being. Yeah, it, it didn't. Like, I was at the gym gym watching it, and you see it and you see him go down like that, and, you know, the first – instance you see some some player going down non-contact really it's not a good sign yeah you know but yeah he's walking out the field gingerly and you're just wondering oh maybe it's an ankle maybe he rolled the ankle maybe he did something along those lines that it wasn't an acl but you know when so initially it didn't look as bad as it, it had looked which i mean honestly for if Schefter only said it was only an acl tear and not something along the lines of an MCL or a meniscus or something along those lines within that knee and extra cartilage or anything within that knee aside from the ACL, that's probably why it looked good. Uh, you know, and I think Nelson even talk, talked about it saying uh, it's probably a good thing it happened during the preseason because they took him out immediately and he would probably have tried to play on it afterwards, you know, oh, I'm fine, go back out there and probably could have made more damage. But the initial look at it didn't look bad. But... Uh, no. But yeah, but no, they, I mean, you know, it's one thing where you say it's thankful that they they found that now. I mean, and, and maybe it's you know the recovery time's a little bit quicker, and, uh, and and obviously he'll be back for next season. 
So, uh, but yeah, uh, in your thoughts, I mean, along those injury fronts, we talked about the offensive line, uh, but you know, you even had a guy like Scotty Tolzien, uh, who's put, he's played pretty well uh, this the preseason and, and looks good, but uh, you I mean he's out with a concu- you know he was out with a concussion uh, or he's being evaluated for it as McCarthy put, put it, uh, but you know are you worried about any other injuries for the Packers right now that I mean obviously Clayton Matthews is uh, he's missed the first two games, but it sounds like he's just trying to rest up his elbow and his knee. Uh, any other though issues that you're uh, you're worried about for any positions, even on the defense, for that matter? No, no, uh, not yet. I'm worried about the next injury. I know that does that sounds silly, but I'm worried about the one that hasn't happened yet and hopefully doesn't. Um, because you know maybe this team can survive uh, not having uh, Jordy Nelson. You know maybe maybe they can survive that. I think that's very possible. What I don't think they can do is survive another major injury, be it to Lacey, be it a serious injury to one of the linemen, be it to Raji or Matthews or Haha Dix. Or, so, I mean, this injury doesn't necessarily break them, but it certainly puts them in a very small margin for being able to sustain other injuries. You, you know what I mean? So from that standpoint, um, I think they start the season not only missing one of their best weapons, but really with no room to sustain any other injuries, to any other key players, aside from, of course, Aaron Rodgers, who if you lose him, I, I know everybody loves Scotty Tolzien, but if you lose Aaron Rodgers, it doesn't matter who's playing wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers, they're, they're no longer a contender for a championship. You know what I mean? But aside from that, you can't really afford to lose any other key components. Absolutely, and 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 that's the big thing. Actually, I was on the line. I reordered Direct TV because uh, my wife and I worked out, an, worked out an agreement having the uh, for the football season, uh, which includes NFL Sunday Ticket for free. I did not pay for that, but uh, one of their for one of their promotions. But the you get uh, we're getting Direct TV for the football season just so I can DVR and track uh, the games a little bit better uh, for some of the duties I'm doing for Bucky's fifth quarter and. Uh, I was actually talking to the the representative, and <laughs> he was talking about the Packers, and said, "Hey, you know, I mean, anything as long as you have Aaron Rodgers, you always have a chance." And and that's a it's a big big thing big thing for this team. If Aaron Rodgers goes down, there goes the season. You still have him. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers makes the receivers better. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same fashion as Brett Favre, uh, I think made them even better, even better. But I think Rodgers is. He expects those players to know the the mental aspect of the game, and uh, we'll we'll see if a guy like Janice, like he talked mentioned about uh, in, to the media in the past week, talking about him growing and, like you said, learning the playbook and having sometimes having great days, sometimes having eh days, but being consistent enough, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I'm I don't know. Uh, I, I I'm still optimistic for the season, and let me know your thoughts on this, Scotty. I think this team, uh, granted they're Super Bowl favorites and they're Super Bowl favorites for a reason. With Nelson, I think it takes them on the same level as Seattle, who got better on offense, which is I think the only real complaint that you you had with the Seattle offense was a passing game, and they had Jimmy Graham, and their defense pretty much yeah. stays the same. But I, I thought I think maybe they're just a little below. Seattle now in terms of the favorites for the I think they're right up there. 
and obviously having Aaron Rodgers, it'll make a you know having Aaron Rodgers, it it helps everybody in your running game, and if the offensive line stays healthy, which is still a big gift through the NFL season, but. Uh, they still have a great chance to to get to the Super Bowl. Obviously, to, to win the division is a first step, but they have a great shot at the NFC title game and at the Super Bowl. I just, let me know your thoughts. I, I don't think necessarily they're the Super Bowl favorites anymore, though. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I, I agree 100. percent And and in this, I understand that what I'm about to say is in no way an attack at, at you for what you had said. I, it's more of a general question. Why does everybody think Seattle got worse because they lost the Super Bowl because they made one bad play call? Their defense is still the best defense in the league. Um, Russell Wilson's a top 10 quarterback. I, I won't go as far as to say top five, but he's a top 10 quarterback. Um, they added Jimmy Graham. And, and I, people just, like, people who want to think the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl, and they might. I'm not saying, but people who want the Packers to be the favorite say just like well, Seattle got Jimmy Graham. Like, it's no big deal. Like, like somehow they're getting Jimmy Graham, who has been the number one or two tight end, depending on if you're a Gronk guy or a Jimmy Graham guy, for the last five years. And people just kind of play it off like, oh, well, yeah, well, they got him. I, I don't, I guess I'm, I'm a little lost that way. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I just... I'm the, I'm as big of a Packers supporter as anybody. You know this, but I just even in the off season, just I didn't see where Seattle got worse. And yeah, the Packers had them. They had them. They should have beat them. Yes, they should have beat them. But I think the that Seattle, and I know they did it through free agency and through trades, and the Packers don't do it that way. I get it. But I think Seattle did more to address their deficiencies than the Packers did to to address theirs. Yeah, uh, and I, I think it's one of those things where this uh, the perception that that Seattle, I mean, the offense kind of, I think, holds it back from being the complete team. But, yeah, you add Graham onto there, uh, which I can guarantee you Drew Brees is still smarting over uh, and, yeah. and not happy about because that was a big part of their offense. And, and not even just for the fact of catches, but just the fact you have the game plan for Jimmy Graham. And the Packers are going to have to now deal with that in the third game of the season against the Seahawks, but we'll see how the chemistry starts flowing between the former Badger quarterback and, and, and the former, former Miami hoopster, but uh, turned all pro tight end. But it, I mean, it's, it's a lethal combination. And I th- and granted, I th- think maybe it's a revenge factor that the Packers won't let that, what happened in the NFC championship game happen again. But I, with that loss of Jordan, uh, with Jordy Nelson out now, I, I, like I said, it's just, it, for those that thought that he, you know, that Vegas thought that they were the Super Bowl favorites, it's I think it's they they still have obviously obviously a great shot, but it's it's going to be a little bit harder this time around. But um, but yeah, is there anything else that you've seen? I mean, obviously, coming up the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend, Saturday night, Lambeau Field, third game of the season. Do you expect Rodgers to play a lot? Obviously, with the injuries to the offensive line, you want to keep him upright. But do you see a lot of a, po- a possibility of him playing a lot, or do you think they're going to hold him out a little bit more? Well, I, I think he's going to play. A, I think he's going to play more than people would like him to, and and the reason why is because because of the injury to Jordy Nelson, getting some timing with some of the younger receivers, and trying to figure out if uh, who's 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 going to fit in where, who's going to step up and take some of those catches, and some of that you can. Uh, 
some of that you can take care of in practice, but some of it you just have to be out on the field in, in game situations for. So I think because of that, you might see him more than I think Packer fans would like. I don't think he's going to play a full half. I think he'll probably play a full quarter um, and try to figure out what he's able to what kind of chemistry he's able to to, to get with uh, with the new, you know, whoever. I don't want to say new. I've done Scott Hans isn't new, but Montgomery's new, and uh, Janice is new-ish. So I, I think, yeah, I think you're going to see more of him than I – there's going to be – and there's going to be some cringeworthy moments because, again, we have a banged up uh, – we have to watch this team with a banged up offensive line. So there's going to be some times where fans are going to go, oh, my goodness, like – Aaron Rodgers is running for his life, and that's just that's going to be the reality of it for about a quarter of, of football. So, um, so yeah, I think you'll see him for about a quarter. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, but uh, what, have, what has been your your take so far? Obviously, uh, and it's just a preseason, obviously. But thoughts on the third quarterback, just Brett Hundley, uh, who we've, we've had on the show. Uh, great guy. And then obviously Wisconsin Whitewater's Matt Blanchard, uh, another Wisconsin connection. But uh, I mean, it, I take it just by some of the improvements you've seen in Hundley that uh, it, it appears he, maybe he has the third quarterback slot lined up. What are your thoughts on that? I think he has, a, I think he's the favorite simply because he was a draft. I mean, of where he got drafted, but Last week against Pittsburgh, neither one of them really lit the world on fire. Um, in fact, that second half for both teams was pretty. It was some abysmal football. It certainly wasn't uh, wasn't the uh, stuff legends are made of, so to speak. Um, so I, I suppose Hunley, from what I've seen, is the favorite still right now to take that spot. But it certainly hasn't been. Um, neither one of those guys is is, is Ripping the spot away from the other one, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, obviously. Uh, with the uh, with the Eagles themselves, I see you'll see some homegrown talent come back. You have the Wisconsin Badgers, uh, former uh, captain, walk on, uh, friend friend of the show, Chris Maragos, uh, who we've had on a couple times, and uh, great guy. And uh, he'll be back along with Bo Allen, uh, one of the most fan friendly players in Badgers history, uh, and. Yeah, we also have another guy by the name of Tim Tebow. Are you, let me ask you about the Eagles. I mean, <laughs> since we're, yeah, since we're going around with the Eagles and uh, Chip Kelly, and but in terms of Tebow making the team, and obviously there have been reports and people said that Tebow would have to really screw up to not make the team, and the possibilities of what he could be used, even in like the two-yard drill for goal line or two-point conversion situations. Do you think Tebow's actually going to make the team? I don't know. I I I, I know that's. A, I haven't watched enough, followed enough of the Eagles camp. I, I think, sure, I think as a third quarterback, I think for a couple reasons he makes the team. I think Kelly thinks he can take anybody and make them into a serviceable football player. He's another one of those college guys that thinks that he can come in here and re. And he saw some of the success Harbaugh had and, and uh, uh, of course, Pete Carroll has had. So he thinks he can come in here, oh, it's easy, it's football. You know, I can... I can take this hybrid offense and make it work. So I think there's some of that. I think Tebow's had a decent camp. And, uh, you know, if he's your third look, look, there's worse. He doesn't deserve to be a starting quarterback in this league. But there's worse third-string quarterbacks than Tim Tebow. I mean, uh, there's 
there's some really, really bad third string quarterbacks in the NFL. So oh, yeah. um so yeah, certainly Tebow if he he deserves a spot, he should if you know, if he's the best of whatever he's fighting against, he should win that spot. I'm okay with that. I just Man, it, it's not Tebow that's ever bothered me. It's the Tebowites that have always bothered me. So, um, for what it's yeah. worth, I, I mean, the people who attach a certain message or a certain ulterior, ulterior motive to who Tim Tebow is just because he's playing in the NFL, yeah, a little bit of a uh, rubs me the wrong way, I guess, is, is probably the best way to, to put it. So, but yeah, good for Tim Tebow. I don't. I've never disliked the guy. You know, some people want to dislike him because of the Tebowites. I don't blame him for them. And uh, again, if he's good enough, uh, I certainly hope that he certainly hope that he gets a shot. So, um, you know, but I, I, obviously Bradford's the starter, and Sanchez is the number two, and everything else kind of trickles down from there. Yeah, and and the one thing that. Uh, yeah, you know, you you hope that they they base it off of football ability and and whatnot, and obviously having a third string quarterback that's won you a playoff game is not. If you have a a quarterback that's won up an NFL playoff game as your third stringer, hey, it's not bad, uh, not yeah. a bad thing at all. But uh, real quick, get get around to some NFL things. Uh, and I think I I have like a laundry list of dupas of the week, which we'll get to at the end of the show. It's the bottom of the hour. It's about eight thirty Central Time here. Uh, on Bucky's fifth quarter in the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, but uh, before we segue to the Badgers, thoughts on Russell Wilson and the recovery water? Uh, which I mean, to me, and I've, I've read a couple of commentaries in terms of uh, maybe it's mostly Twitter stuff, but uh, the, his recovery water and what he's promoting, and uh, I mean, it's, isn't it kind of scary when it comes to what what he's saying, especially with the concussion history that they that you know that's plaguing stuff that's that one of his Former teammates and Chris Borland had to step away from the game, you know, voluntarily before uh, he felt uh, it would damage him further. Uh, but isn't it kind of scary uh, to say, "Hey, well, this I don't have any scientific evidence behind behind this working, but it works," and trying to prescribe it to those that, "Oh yeah, you know, I've, this 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 will heal everything." It just seems like it's kind of uh, not. I'm not gonna say hocus pocus because there may be more research behind it, but it's just. I don't know if it's the right time to say, oh, this heals everything when the simple fact that the concussion protocols and concussion just dilemma and the the issue of it in the NFL is so prevalent and and such a hot-button issue. Yeah, yeah, listen. Until you can prove to me that, scientifically prove to me that any of these claims mean anything, it's actually pretty disingenuous, and you're right, a little bit dangerous to, to... kind of spew that nonsense. Um, again, nothing's been backed up by the USDA, uh, the FDA, the Food and Drug. So, again, some people, I'll tell you what it is. I, I bet you, I, I'm going to tell you this right now. I am 99.999% sure this has nothing to do with his water and more to do with the fact that he just heals faster than other people. Brett Favre did. Now, granted, we found out that Brett Favre healed fast with the help of narcotics, but he he had a better pain threshold. He healed quick. Some people do. 
I don't think it has anything to do with the water, and I think it's unfair and 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 not the correct thing to do to to sit there and try, trot out these claims when in reality his body is just different. Um, good for him, good for him and his ability to heal. But yeah, I, I'm sorry, I don't think it has anything to do with the water. Right, exactly. Uh, and so it, I don't know. It just, I I I I hope there's research. If there's something called recovery water, that would help be anti-inflammatory and help unswell a brain or whatnot, you know, brain or other parts of the body. Uh, that'd be great. However, it, you know, until they have the science to back it up, it's just, it, it, I don't know. I like Russell Wilson a lot. Obviously he does a great, a lot of stuff for the community, a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff with, uh, you know, a man of faith and, and whatnot. But yeah, I'm just kind of, uh, not, I'm kind of taken aback about, about this, but uh, we'll see how that progresses. He was also on the Rolling, uh, the cover, one of the covers of Rolling Stone this week, and uh, which is always fun. Um, but with that, uh, we swing over to the Badger talk, and obviously they are nine days away from Alabama, and that's a game that uh, I just found out I'll be credentialed for. So Bucky's fifth quarter will have a presence down in Dallas with. Uh, with uh, Drew Ham, who, well, he won't be covering it. He'll just be partying, which I'm uh, a little jealous about, but uh, we'll see how uh, how uh, we do there. But you have uh, you know, a lot of injuries, in it, and I'm sure you've you've read about it too, Scotty, about just a lot of the injuries on the offensive line uh, with the uh, – you can de- deal with just the fact that two of your starting right tackle candidates and Hayden Beagle, Bo Benchwall, have been out. One with a head injury, one with, that, with a knee injury that's going to keep him out for the for the majority of the rest of the camp, uh, and probably hamper his chances to really contribute unless it's later in the year. But then you also have Ray Ball with an arm injury, who's supposed to be in a battle for left guard, and then Walker Williams, who took over at right tackle for Beagle and Ben Shawal, and then also himself had a head injury. So you throw in basically your fourth option with Jake Maxwell out of Greendale uh, from our neck of the woods uh, in, in the Milwaukee area. Uh, in as the number one right tackle, though Paul Chris did say today in his uh, post-game presser that, uh, or post-practice presser, I should say, that uh, Beagle is, is closer to returning. He was in pads today in non-contact, so I think that he could probably, the registered sophomore probably could get back in uh, into the rotation and, and get some playing time depending upon how he, he performs. But it, uh, let me just say, it's, uh, I, I, the offensive line, which is supposed to be this huge—I mean, the strength of Wisconsin football, obviously with a, you know with run-oriented offense and and uh, the physicality of it—it's it, the one year really that you've seen a strength be a, a concern this year, especially against a talented front seven that they'll face in Alabama in just over a week. Yeah, yeah. Um, how worried are you, by the way? Um, and, and I know I I know I'm I'm asking I know I'm, I I know what I'm going to get for an answer but I'm going to ask you anyway. How worried are you about this game against Alabama? Oh no, it's significant worry for the Badgers. It's the the fact that last year now granted it was the failed Tanner McAvoy experiment at quarterback, but you have the simple fact that the against Alabama obviously they have a great front seven. Uh, and their defense is, from from what we've heard, one of the better defenses that they've had underneath Nick Saban. Taking on Badgers and the offense, with which obviously you lose Melvin Gordon. You have Corey Clement, who's going to have a breakout year. I just don't think against Alabama. 
and and Corey Clement's a great person to talk to, and uh, you know, a great player, better person, I'd say. But this offensive line, it that's, hasn't been gelled yet. The fact that you've been moving around players two weeks before camp and not working on solidifying the line. Uh, it's worrisome, Scotty. It's it's not, and I'm not trying to like be Debbie down or or dumb down everything, so people's expectations, but it's a legitimate concern. Uh, and the fact that you're playing with your fourth option at right tackle, your, you know, second. Now they have, they have basically their third option at left guard because they had to move the starting right guard over to left guard. Uh, and you, you hope that I mean they're getting the players back now. But, you know, you miss a week, week and a half of camp, and that's significant in terms of trying to gel that offensive line, trying to learn. And I think that's going to be a key factor. Now, I will say uh, the, the offense of Alabama is not where it should be. It's not in years past. They lost Amari Cooper, uh, one of their running backs. I think it was T.J. Yeldon no longer with the team. They have Derrick Henry, who's a Heisman contender per uh, bravada odds, uh, and he's a Heisman favorite. Uh, the defense for Alabama is their strength, their offense. They're still trying to figure out a quarterback. And I think it's going to be a defensive battle, personally. Uh, I know we'll go through that next, you know, next week or Sunday whenever we have our next show. But I think it's going to be me, a, a let big. Let me put yeah. something out though. Let me just throw the stat out there, and maybe you've heard the stat already. But Saban, when he started a first-year quarterback, has a ninety-one percent winning percentage. Like Very somehow, true. somehow it just it just never seems to matter in Alabama. It just. They're they're like a special breed. They're like a cut above the rest. They're, you know, like a New England Patriots, San Antonio Spurs, but even at a greater level. I, I, but I guess here's the thing. The anomaly for me as we look ahead of the season is I think the Badgers could finish could and should go to the Big Ten championship game this year, a one loss team. The weird part about it, unfortunately, though, is the way that things are set up. That loss, you know, they're likely going to end up with two losses. It's going to prop. It's going to be Alabama and Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. So those are two two pretty impressive teams to lose to. So I guess your hope is, if you're a Badger fan, is that maybe you pull an upset and you beat one or both of those teams. And two, if you do lose, you don't get boat raced. You know, maybe you lose it by a touchdown. You know, you don't lose like you lost to Ohio State last year in the Big Ten title game. And you keep those games close, and you still have a chance for a top five, top six finish in a BCS Bowl. I, but if you get blown out in both those games, even with two losses, that likely might not happen. Yeah, I, I mean, if they if they can the, – the Big Ten West isn't obviously the Big Ten East, which I feel like right now the Big Ten – East is like the SEC West with the Big Ten West being the SEC East, where the, the, there's talent, but obviously not as much. Uh, and it's right. kind of you have this huge bubble of talent uh, on one side that, that makes it uneven. However, yeah, I mean, going to Nebraska is still going to be tough because you're playing at Lincoln. I can guarantee you the Huskers want some form of revenge against the Badgers. However, they they're losing Amir Abdullah, they you know Kenny Bell, so they have two main offensive weapons, that, and they're having injuries at wide receiver too, which um, you know that one of their star receivers won't be back for a month, so they may just be coming back in time for that Badger game. Uh, Iowa just does not impress me uh, as much, and the Badgers have them at home on October third to open up the Big Ten season. I don't know if I don't know how well you, you'll 
what what you'll see out of Iowa. And their defense is decent, but they're they're losing some alignment, some linebackers. How will they perform? But you mentioned, you know, like I said, like they could go into this. And Minnesota, I mean, you lose David Cobb, their quarterback's still not a great passing quarterback, uh, but they're tough and they're physical. Uh, and, they're kind of, and we'll see how they and uh, they do the day after, you know, the weekend uh, after Thanksgiving against the Badgers. And, and you know, this could be the most substantial chance the Gophers have to take back the axe from the Badgers after 11 years of the Badgers owning it. But, you know, I, I, I think, I mean, obviously if Wisconsin somehow pulls off this upset, then they can start talking about other things down the road. But you have Alabama, but they have to focus on the rest of the year. And then if they do get to the Big Ten championship game, everyone's pegging Ohio State, uh, which they did just lose a receiver, uh, a sophomore receiver to injury for the rest of the season, which will, be, which will hurt them. But there's still so much talent on that team, and they're the first unanimous AP, you know, number one uh, pick, uh, you know, uh, ever, and that, that which is impressive. Uh, and so we'll see how they do. I, I think, you know, I, I, Mike Heller from the the Big Ten Seventy, Big Nine Twenty, mentioned that he thinks it's going to be, it could be close, and I think it, the Badger game could be close coming up. And the only reason why is that defense. When you have Vince Beagle, Joe Schobert as outside linebackers, you have an athletic duo at inside linebacker that just got off an injury and a defensive line that's I think going to be a little underrated or underappreciated and I think they'll overachieve just based on their physicality from what I saw in practices and you have a great secondary with you know four returning start you know three returning starters you have McAvoy in there when he's not playing wide receiver if he doesn't tweak his injury I think a defense could be really good uh but sure. you know how but the, the big thing is though is that you have a good, a really good defense taking on an offense that is talented, but maybe not experienced, and maybe not necessarily the best. Uh, uh, they have the talent to do it, but they just don't have. They may not be able to have the parts together to put it together in that first game. And if the Badgers can force turnovers, you know, and score off those turnovers, then then there's a chance. Uh, but on the other side of the ball, you have a great defense. With, a, um, with one of the most talented front sevens in the nation going up against an offense that doesn't have the offensive line gelled yet and the possibility right. of, of McAvoy now tweaking something. He became a threat in the fall camp. And so what comes next? What's going to give? And my thoughts are, I think, I mean, Bama, I think, wins it, obviously, uh, right now still. Uh, I mean, if something happens with that, something with Alabama, who knows? But uh, with the th- way things are going, I still expect something to give on the Badgers, and I think Alabama still wins it. But it could be close. But it's predicated on what the defense for the Badgers can do against uh, an inexperienced uh, Alabama offense. Well, along those lines, let me ask you this: um, Forget about that game because we'll preview it more in depth. But we talked about. Just want to go back to what we talked about with Ohio State, and yes, the United's number one. I think they're going to win the the East. And I think they're going to win the Big Ten. But it's getting harder and harder to overlook um, Michigan State. And um, maybe, you know, and I don't know that the Badgers, if they were playing in a Big Ten title game, could beat Michigan State this year either. I mean, I think the Badgers are very fortunate to be playing in the West. But Michigan State, man, I'll tell you what, that program, they're starting to get to that point where they just seem to reload every year too. Absolutely, and it's it's almost a 
coming from an objective college football standpoint, you wish they were in the the West. You wish you wish because you imagine the 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 matchups at the end of each year with with Michigan State presumably winning uh, the West and Ohio State winning the the East. And granted, Michigan right now you're talking they're resurging. They're getting some great talent. It's going to take a couple of years for Halbrow to really mold that team uh, into what he wants out of it and to become uh, the power that it used to be. But really, you would love to see Michigan State and Ohio State battle out for the Big Ten title and hope and hopefully a spot in the big you know in the college football playoff. Uh, but in and you mentioned it, you know, Wisconsin is very fortunate to be be in the West with with teams that that are good. Don't get me wrong, Nebraska, Minnesota, all are are progressing, and I like Nebraska underneath Mike Riley. But yeah, Michigan State has a great chance, obviously, with Connor Cook. Uh, and Shalik Calhoun still coming back this year on that defensive end, and Connor Cook is quarterback. But I still like that talent of of Ohio State, and if they can, whoever they choose at quarterback, either J.T. Barrett or Cardale Jones. Personally, I kind of like the Cardale Jones a little bit better because he gives the the more logistic passing threat, as you saw in the last three games of the year, uh, complimenting Ezekiel Elliott out of there. But I mean. You, you think that Mike D'Antonio, he'll, he'll have a game plan for that, uh, and the injury to Brown really does uh, hurt Ohio State. So we'll see when when they face off against each other. But it uh, it'll be fun to watch, to say the least. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's hard to imagine that we're this close to the really this close to football the counting. I mean, oh yeah, football season's underway if you count the preseason. I don't, but. Um, but yeah, we're we're pretty close. We're on the precipice. In fact, yeah, to just to sidebar you a little bit and tell you how close we are to the season starting, I got four fantasy drafts this weekend. So uh, I won't be taking Jordy Nelson, obviously. But um, so yeah, um, fun time of the year. Uh, the only thing that would make this time of the year a little bit more fun for me is if the Brewers were playing meaningful baseball to kind of add into everything else that, that's going on, but that's obviously not going to happen, so or isn't happening. Um, hey, I wanted to talk, I don't want to talk about some of the duplas of the week, and I'll let you kind of get into that. I just wanted to uh, kind of extend uh, a little bit of heartfelt sorrow and prayers to the family of uh, Justin Wilson, the uh, IndyCar driver that was horrifically, uh, horrifically killed uh, in an accident from debris, literally hitting him on the head. I, I, I don't know, man, but um, definitely some sad stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, uh, you don't want to see that happen ever. And it's uh, you know, yeah, I'll definitely have thoughts and prayers out to this family. The the you know, and it's yeah. It, it, a lot of times, I mean, with with sports, you you deal with it, and you, you're being a you know race car driver, you go so fast that uh, that stuff the risk intensifies. But uh, you know, it's big thoughts and prayers out to his family. And um, from what I heard, though, Scott, it didn't. I think his organs went on to save, to save six lives. Did I read that right? There, his organs was were used to to help help donors, or did he donate them? Uh, I, that sounds right. And you know, it's one of those few things where you would look at that and go, well, something good came out of it. Uh, obviously, that's not 
not the way you 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 know you don't want to have to have somebody die obviously for that to happen. But um, yeah, just so that's to me that's a, look. Listen, I I like I get it. I like NASCAR. I get that sort of thing. I, you know, I know that's the sport. IndyCar racing has lost some popularity over the last two decades and had a lot to do with the split and that sort of thing. But that's way more dangerous, man. Being in those open-wheel cars, unprotected. I mean, there's danger in all racing. So I don't want people to start like, hey, what do you mean uh, stock car racing is dangerous? It's dangerous, too. I'm not going to do either of it because I think they're both dangerous. But that open-wheel stuff, man, that that's scary. That is some scary, scary stuff. Yeah. No, it's uh, definitely uh, it's an intriguing situation, and it just you wonder how much more safe you can make sports. You know, uh, with baseball, you have the line drives, and also safety to fans in terms of line drives, foul balls. If a if a baseball player tries to turn on a ball, but you know he's late to the ball, and it winds up you know from being a right-handed hitter going to the first base line or or vice versa, from a left-handed hitter going to third base, you know, hitting to the third base side that laid on a swing. But uh, you have basket, you know, um, basketball. I mean, there's not too much, but uh, football with the concussion stuff, and and then you have NASCAR. Uh, it there's always there's always a risk, and but yeah, it's it's unfortunate uh, on that note, and uh, loss of life is always tragic with that, and uh, it's. Ugh. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know how you explain it, you know, how you, with with family members and and whatnot. It's it, it's a terrible thing. Yeah, absolutely, it is. So, anyway, um, onto your onto your uh, you had, said you had a host of people you wanted to light up. And I'm all for it. Let's let's talk about it. All right, first off, I'm gonna lead with the first big one that was actually out of today. I don't know if you had a chance to. I retweeted this on my. Twitter page, you guys can go to Jake Coco B5Q. Uh, it's K O C O, and then capital B5Q at the end. But uh, the Richmond uh, Times Dispatch in Virginia. I don't know if you heard about this, uh, but apparently the Virginia Tech football team have been assessing fines to players' scholarship in terms of their uh, the, the the money that they get for the stipend. Uh, uh, not necessarily for the scholarships, but just for the the money that they're able to get that they're allowed to give players, but for missing meals and practices. And I'm reading off of this right now, where yeah, missing classes for Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, thirty dollars per class. Tuesdays and Thursdays, forty five dollars, forty five per class. Uh, that's among some of them. But uh, you miss your tutor ten bucks. You miss breakfast or treatment ten bucks each, or you know, treatment twenty bucks actually. Uh, teacher reports disruptive in class or, or the SAASS, uh, which I'm sure is some sort of student service, reports disruptive in study hall, 15 bucks a piece. Uh, dirty dorm, dirty locker, 50 bucks. Scotty, when I was in college, I'm sure when you were in college, my dorm room was a mess. Like 50 bucks to assess a fine for that uh, is ludicrous. And so... My right now, I mean, this is all turned out to be true, which based off of reports uh, for for the football players set here for this football team assessing fines to the players for for these missing meals and classes. Now, I, I'm I'm all for discipline. Whether you're running, get you know, gassers, you're you're running stairs at the stadium, I'm I'm okay with that. But uh, you know, it's 
you're finding players from from money that they may need. I'm just I, I find that kind of appalling. And doesn't that lend credence to the fact that they're employees that you can find someone like you're in the NFL, uh, you're finding someone because you're an employee of that team. Doesn't that give credence almost to a co-employment type feel where players could say, hey, hey, if you're going to find us, well, we're technically employees now, and we should be paid as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I think you're right. I don't think I'd have a problem with the fines as much if these pe- if these kids were getting paid, as you mentioned, as employees. And, and I know, like I said, some people are going to say, well, they, they're getting paid, they're getting, okay, fine, I get it. But we've talked about this before. The amount of money that is made off of these kids and their um, their contributions athletically, the amount of money that's made by the, the institution is is ridiculous, and and for these kids to not be able to um, essentially um, not be able to do anything as far as you know, they, they can't really hold down jobs because football is almost a full time you know full-time sport now you know and now you're going to say with this little stipend that they get to live off of yeah yeah we're going to take it away from you now because yeah that's silliness i mean some of that's just silly and hopefully uh hopefully that gets rectified um by you know by the institution and whatnot but yeah so what else do you, what 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 are some of the other things that are troubling you i think the other thing was steve sarkeesian from usc i don't know if you've heard about the uh-huh. Uh, expletive laden, the uh, drunken rally that he was at, and, and and the cursing and just the the embarrassment there. So I would say, and obviously he may be going through a rough time. I thought I heard that he was getting divorced, and and there are other issues from uh, or other rumors out there. But it just uh, you hope for the best for him. But it's you know when you're at an event when your boss, the athletic director's there, and you're you're spouting out talking like a sailor and kind of embarrassing the university. Like you gotta, you gotta turn that down a notch. And especially when you, I mean, at Washington, it's one thing, Grant, you're, you're in the media eye a lot up in Washington. You're, you're near Seattle, but when you're near in LA, you're at one of the top, you know, programs in the nation, supposedly in USC. Uh, you can't get away with that stuff. You know, um, I, I find, so I would say those two, Right there, are really up there uh, for my dupas of the week. You got anything? Um, no, no. I think that that covers it. I don't. I don't want to end the show on too much of a downer note. Although very valid points, but we had a race car driver dying and two institutions that are doing some idiotic things. So, yeah, no. I think I think that I think that settles it all. That solves it all. Anything else going on? I mean. Obviously, like you said, with football season, but I'd still like to spend some time maybe next week before the actual NFL season starts looking at some of the playoff races. The American League wild card race is crazy. National League, it's pretty much six teams fighting it out for five spots, but um, there are some races. I know that, like I said, the Brewers aren't necessarily involved in them, but uh, that doesn't mean that they're not worth talking about. Right, and that's... um... It, it, and we'll we'll definitely get into that next week. I think. I think we'll we'll spend some time there. Maybe kind of doing like a a, a year and. Granted, it's not the year end yet, but it's getting close. So we can do like a a mini year in review, talking about the highlights, the the mostly lowlights of the Brewers, but also kind of looking at baseball from there. And then uh, 
Another thing too, Scotty. What about? Uh, did you get a chance to watch SummerSlam or NXT Takeover Brooklyn at all this weekend? I did not watch NXT at all. Um, I did watch SummerSlam, and then I was gonna try to get around to watching NXT later in the week, and it's just been a busy week. I haven't, but I did we did view SummerSlam. Yes. What were your thoughts on everything? Well, the show was fine enough. I, you know, it's. I I continue to be frustrated by wrestling fans, uh, you know, um, truth be told. Um, because, once again, you know, everybody's upset at the ending of the Undertaker match. And, but I always ask people then, what's the acceptable, what, what would be the next best alternative? If Undertaker beats Brock Lesnar, you've kind of made Lesnar, who's still very much in his prime, at least, from a wrestling standpoint, you make him look weak. If, But then if you beat Undertaker clean for a second time in a row, then he's pretty much done. So you had to have some weird controversial finish. And you know what? It was unique. It was, it's, you know, something we hadn't seen before as far as that goes. And yet still everybody was upset about it. Everybody was mad. and They thought it was a terrible way to end it. And I don't know, man. I just, I, I thought it was fine enough. I thought it was, uniquely creative and, and I'm okay with it. So but the show in and of itself, I can't think of anything that stood out as being bad. Um you know, usually I love New Day and I love them winning. Yeah. Uh Biggie Langston a former guest on our show as well. But uh I thought that was cool. Um yeah, yeah. there was nothing that was five star caliber, but there was nothing that was bad either. There was nothing where I was like, I can't watch this. Uh, so um I was happy with it. I, what what was your thoughts overall? I, I thought the matches were fine. I, the gimmicky ending for, for Taker Lesnar was fine. Uh, for me, I, I guess it's just hard to believe that a 50, 50 55-year-old man can, can wrestle a former UFC champion and, and win. And I guess, I mean, in terms of the, you know, you try to make it, try to suspend reality as much as possible. You have, you have to, though. You, can't, you have yeah. to suspend reality. I, I know, I, mean, I know. I, I know, and I mean, I know. Obviously, the rivalry, and he's trying to do anything possible. So, so you see the low blows and the cheap shots, and and obviously a forty, yeah, you know, what a forty-seven or a fifty-year-old Undertaker is obviously in much better shape and pro- and could kick the crap out of me without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, don't get me wrong on that. Uh, and and, yeah. and but it's it's just one of those things where you know, I mean, and and you saw what he did there with, with some of the, the the desperation in terms of the low blows and. And using more submission-based stuff, uh, but right. yeah, but yeah, but so I mean, it was fine, especially with the ending where you you know where the the tap out and then you know and all that fun stuff. So I thought that was okay. I, I liked Owens and Cesaro, uh, and props to Owens for going through a ladder match the night before on Takeover and then getting up and 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 doing what he did against Cesaro. Uh, but those guys are, I mean, it's a Haas match. It's fun to see what those guys can do in a ring. Uh, New Day, I think, is one of my favorite acts. Uh, obviously, we're a little biased because we had Big E on the show uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, he, we may have to have him back on the show come uh, October in, or early October for to talk about that. Uh, but it's uh, no, it, I mean, I was, you know, I, I really enjoyed NXT's ma- uh, show uh, in, at the Barclays Center. I thought it was, I thought it went, went really well uh, in terms of. 
just, uh, I mean, they probably should have had the women's match on last because it was such a big build-up compared to Owens and, and, and Balor. But uh, it, I thought that those matches were fun with Breeze and, and Jushin Thunder Liger. I thought that was a fun match. It was a good, decent opener. Uh, the VOD villains are actually some of my favorite play. You know, they're my favorite characters at NXT. Uh, and, and I love Simon Gotch and his kind of his unique offense. Uh, but I thought it was a good weekend of wrestling. I, I thought it was, you know, decent. And, uh, you know, the Rollins, uh, maybe the only odd thing was that Rollins, uh, the John Stewart, you know, the, I mean, it was a big decision. You have John Stewart, uh, you know, costing John Cena the U.S. title and a chance at the World Heavyweight Championship uh, with, with a chair shot, you know, with a chair shot to the gut. And then Rollins using the chair with the pedigree. So, um, but I mean, the night, that night after, I mean, they, they talked about, you know, they, they kind of wrote it off with Stewart, with Cena giving him the, the AA. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting to see that they went with more of a celebrity angle for, for a bigger match. Well, again, uh, another one of those things though, where, what, what could you have done? You, you couldn't put the belt on. First of all, I hope Cena does win a world title again. I'm not an anti-Cena guy at all. I like Cena. I think he's the MVP of that company, and he gets no credit and no respect from the quote smart marks. That being said, it wasn't time to take that belt off of Rollins. You know, you need to build him. He's the future of that company. So I like the ending because you you don't have Cena beating Rollins, and then you don't have Rollins winning clean either. And again, it's all about protecting and preserving and and all that sort of thing. So, I, again, I was more than fine with that finish as well. I mean, yeah, the Stewart thing, but the Stewart thing had to happen in so much that you needed Stewart to get involved just because of the old feud um, with uh, uh, Rollins, you know, that he had, that ongoing feud he had going. So it, it was kind of a nice nod and wink to that, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, and, and then the turn, of course, when he comes in and actually helps. It's just, I don't like when, I don't mind when celebrities get involved when they know what they're doing. Like, the kid from Arrow, he did a decent job. You know, I thought he yeah. was fine. But Stewart looked awkward, man. He he almost fell getting in the ring. He almost popped too early and, and gave away that he was going to hit Cena too early. Like, you know, it was like he was moving too fast. Like, he was so damn excited to be in there, you know. Uh, it's like, slow down, dude. Like, just calm down a little bit. Um, so he almost, like, blew his own ending because I – and I think if you have a trained enough eye, you kind of – like, you knew what yeah, was going to happen. Yeah. He went in there because he kind of – he went early like he was going to go to Cena before he went back to – so, I don't know. Like, so I guess the moral of the story is I have no problems with the celebrity aspect of it if the celebrity's comfortable in their own skin and they can pull it off. You know, I just, I think from that standpoint, um, I don't think, uh, I don't think John Stewart pulled it off and made it believable enough, but whatever. Um, I didn't mind the whole, I mean, let, let's face it, WrestleMania for sure, and SummerSlam to a certain degree now, has become more about the star power and more about the, um, how much press you can get from media that's not wrestling media, you know, and, and if you check, check, checked out last week, you saw a lot of WWE uh, people on the, 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 the nighttime talk shows and the morning shows and ESPN, so what they were trying to do is to try to get people who were 
maybe former wrestling fans, maybe casual wrestling fans, maybe people who haven't watched wrestling ever, and say, hey, here's a reason to watch. John Stewart's going to be there. Uh, the guy from Arrow's going to be there. Look, he's not, they're on Jimmy Kimmel. Look, they're on the Today Show. Look, they're on Good Morning America. So, to a degree, that's what we've, we've come down to. I mean, SummerSlam and WrestleMania is more about the event than it is about five-star wrestling. And it also kind of bothers me that wrestling fans, quote-unquote, fans, get so irked off about that. Like, they get so mad because their wrestling show got hijacked by, um, you know, non-wrestling people. But the only way you're going to grow your business in your entertainment field is to have people outside the wrestling world talk about it. So, you know, it's like wrestling... But I know I I, I gotta watch I gotta couch how I say this because I don't want I could go on and on about what bothers me about some wrestling fans the smart marks but they they want to be they, they want to get mad at, at non wrestling fans for not liking what they like and not understanding it but then when we try to branch the, the business out to non wrestling fans those same fans get mad and go well no this is our this is our entertainment medium you know. It's like it's very hypocritical, but you need stuff like that to grow the exposure of what they're trying to do. And so I, for one, don't have a problem with it. I, because I, I understand what it's for. Like, you know, I know why they're doing it, and that goes all the way back to 1984 and 85, Mr. T at the first WrestleMania and Liberace and Bob Uecker. But nobody seemed to mind it then, but now all of a sudden we're too smart for our own good. And, you know, oh, we don't need all that, that, those shenanigans. But in reality, you do. You do if you want to continue to try to grow and raise the ratings and keep the exposure up with, without, you know, the WWE now doesn't have, they have John Cena, who is kind of a star outside of the sport of wrestling. But other than that, they don't have the larger-than-life top icons, the cultural icons yet. You know, they've got a little bit of it. Sheamus and Randy Orton have done some movies and Triple H have done some movies. But in reality, you don't have the Hogans and the Savages and the Ric Flairs and the Roddy Pipers and those guys yet to go out and branch out and become actual movie stars. Jesse the Body Ventura. Um, so you need to do whatever you can to kind of get the... You know, Dwayne Johnson... He, you know, he's a big movie star, but he's completely done with wrestling. He'll come back once every two years for WrestleMania, but it's not like he's still in part of the wrestling world. You know, I, I don't know. I, I know I'm I'm kind of giving a long answer and, and rambling on and on, but sometimes wrestling fans, the smart, quote-unquote smart marks, ruin wrestling for me. I mean, they they really do. Like, they, they kind of ruin the whole fun and the whole... And and the fact that they all, like, will sit there and completely crap on a guy like John Cena or crap on a guy like Roman Reigns, and most of them are so unathletic, they can't even bend over to pick up the remote they drop off their couch. So they'll sit there and chant stuff like, you can't wrestle, and most of these guys couldn't climb up the stairs and get in between the second and third rope without breaking something. So, you know, maybe that irritates me a little bit, too, you know, Maybe, maybe you know, that'd be like me watching a guy run a, a four six forty and go, man, you're slow. You're slow. You can't run. Think about how hypocritical that would sound coming from me. 
Yeah. So oh, I know. You know, I I think that it really just kind of bothers me. Or or for or like imagine this. Imagine going to a Broadway play, and it's done. You know, these guys are acting and they're at the top of their game, and maybe one guy. You know, every time he says that one word every night, he kind of lists one of the words. You can't act. You're terrible. I who would do that? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, but <laughs> the short answer to your question is, I enjoyed SummerSlam. It was, it was, it was fine enough for me, <laughs> and and it was even cooler to see. And I know people. I know you disagree with me on this one. I'm pretty sure, but it was still cool to see Sting underneath the tarp uh, when they when we thought they were gone. Because I expect, I full well expected that to be John Cena. I don't know about you, but. It was kind of nice to see Sting standing there. Yeah, I I I didn't get a chance to watch. I don't. Well, I'm not. I don't have cable yet, but uh, I think it's cool. I think it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, I think Rollins goes over, but uh, unless they want to pull a swerve oh, sure with, uh, no. with with with, no, with Sheamus, I mean, it could yeah, always no, be something like that where Sheamus, go. you know, catches it in, you know. Yeah, no, I think Rollins is going to go over and hold. What I think is going to happen is they're going to somehow make Rollins do double duty, and Cena will beat him for the U.S. title again uh, and win that back. But he'll he, I look, I want Sting to win a match in the WWE before it's said and done, but not the World Heavyweight Title. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think Sting to make this whole thing complete, he can't like have four matches and lose all four of them. I think he should have beat Triple H. But whatever, that's water under the bridge. But by no way, shape, or form should he beat Rollins. I mean, that would be that would be just foolish booking. I mean, you know, and and it would further just obviously elevate the status of Triple H because Triple H can beat him, but then he beats the World Heavyweight Champion. Come on, like, for no, I, I expect Rollins to beat Sting. I just I, I think it's still a cool moment. Whatever, you know. Nonetheless, I think it's still oh, yeah. kind of neat. You know, I've I've been a Sting fan. I was a Sting fan. I, I was conflicted as a youngster because I rooted for Ric Flair and for Sting. So how? I mean, how does that work? Imagine the internal conflict I had going on growing up watching the NWA and Jim Crockett promotions. But I've always been a fan of Sting. And you know what? I'd like to see him win a match, maybe at WrestleMania. Uh, hopefully not against Undertaker, because I'm I'm okay if I don't ever see Undertaker wrestle again. To be quite be quite honest, I'm I'm okay. Just like I'm okay. Love Ric Flair, my favorite. I'm okay if he never steps in the ring to wrestle again. I'm good. I, I'm yeah. good. I want to remember him as he was and not as he is. Yeah, no, that's that's a solid. Yeah, I, I I'll, I'll agree with you on that. I, I you know I I think Flair could be a great mouthpiece, but yeah. you know. But other than that, yeah, no, we have, we'll save our wrestling discussions for Wes Hodkowitz one day uh, coming up and, and and whatnot from there. But we need other to than do that, a separate. You know what? We need to do a separate podcast with Wes and you and I. We might have to wait till after Packer season because Wes is going to be busy. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the next four months are going to be. He'll have time to come on our show, but I don't think he'll have time to devote to a, a full length wrestling podcast for a little while. But I'd really like the opportunity to do that maybe after the Super Bowl when we're in that kind of dead zone and we're starting to ramp up for Mania and it's coming out of Royal Rumble. Talk about the current state, maybe some of our old memories, maybe do some fantasy, nerdy fantasy booking. I'm all for that. I think we should think about doing that in the the depths of the wintertime when we're 
looking for things to talk about. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that at all. I mean, so. I mean of course, we'll be talking about, I know that in the winter time we're still going to have the Badgers basketball team maybe fighting it out for a Big Ten title. Marquette's going to be much improved. The Bucks will be fighting for a playoff spot. I don't want to diminish the basketball that's going to, the great basketball moments that we're going to have this winter. I'm just saying, winter time, once you get done with football, we have a little bit more wiggle room. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on that note, uh, yeah, no, we'll let you guys go. We'll come back with a show. We'll let you guys know coming up in the coming days. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll let you guys know. We'll obviously preview Wisconsin, Alabama. We'll talk more uh, Packers about the performance against the Eagles. Uh, and maybe any more roster moves. And, and will we ever see Jared Aberderis, uh get back on the, on the field? Uh, isn't the it Packers. unfortunate, Jake, isn't it unfortunate with the injury to Jordy Nelson that if, if for Jared Aberderis, if he were healthy and cleared to play, again, there'd be an opportunity opportunity for him to shine and maybe be that third or fourth receiver because they use, I mean, Packers run four receiver sets all the time, and he'd have that opportunity to maybe beat out Janice or beat out a Montgomery who's young, you know, and still learning. But the injuries just, its I think it's really hurt him and closed that window a little tighter on him ever being a, a, a contributor for this team. But it's unfortunate because he'd have a golden opportunity right now. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, we'll see if what he can do. Uh, reports are good there, at least, where he's getting back on the field the past couple of days. That means things are progressing better. Uh, but we'll see how that plays out. But on that note, guys, you guys have a good night. Uh, I got some more articles to write. I know Scotty's got to get back to the family as well. And uh, you guys make sure you guys follow us at B5Q at Kielbasa Kings WI. Uh, we'll catch you guys in a couple of days coming up. Big uh, Badger preview. We'll have some guests on. Uh, we'll have a lot of fun. We may have some. Uh, we may have some special guests. We'll see. I'm, I'm working on a couple of things. So uh, we'll let you guys know about that as uh, we prepare to head to Jerry World. Coming up in just about nine days. So those will be my friends. Accordion solo, American polka, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Records. <laughs> Thank you.